Amen. I do appreciate that. What an honor it is to uh, be with you again and to feel the Spirit of God that I feel all over the world. Just in the past month, I've been in, in uh, London, been in South Africa, the same spirit uh, I feel here, people that want to see people, uh, other people get saved, and, and I thank God for that. I'm very, very grateful to uh, uh, be here, especially with uh, uh, Pastor Foley and his wife. They're personal friends of ours, but uh, uh, Kevin is a, such a great blessing to me. Uh, Kevin has a spirit of revelation. Is uh, Many times when I work on sermons, I'll bounce thoughts by him. And uh, he has a supernatural ability. If I am struggling to get things clear, I will just be telling him. And by the time I'm finished, it's all clear in my head. And I'll say, thank you, Kevin. He'll say, okay. <laughs> but his uh, blessing, always willing to uh, give of himself and give his time. And he is a, a great blessing to me. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy and chapter 2, 2 Timothy 2. In England in the 1800s, having a baby was dangerous business. One out of six mothers died in his day with autopsies. And uh, uh, on uh, uh, dead bodies. And then in those days, he would go immediately from touching a dead body, whatever they died of, and would go from there to the delivery room to deliver babies without washing his hands. And to us, we... We understand that that is not, uh, not good. A, a, a doctor named Philip Semmelweis, he was the first one to make the connection with the fact that they were not washing their hands with the fact that the ladies were dying. And so his own practice, he would wash his own hands with a chlorine solution. And, uh, and he pointed out to them after 11 years and delivering more than 8,500 babies, he only lost one in 50 mothers. And so he began to campaign his fellow doctors, lecturing them, trying to get them to wash their hands. He said this, purple fever is caused by decomposed material conveyed to a wound. I've shown how it can be prevented. I've proved what I've said. But while we talk, 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 gentlemen, women are dying. I'm not asking anything world-shaking. <coughs> I am asking you only to wash, for God's sake, wash your hands. So here's a man who understood it doesn't matter how much you know. Doesn't matter what you can do. A simple issue of purity will undo everything you know and everything you can do. In the scripture that we are going to read, Paul makes that exact connection. He says, if we are going to be useful to God as vessels unto honor, that is going to come down to the issue, very simply, of purity. 
And I want to preach a, a sermon I very simply entitled, Vessels Unto Honor. If you want to read with me, 2 Timothy 2, starting at verse 19, the Bible says, <coughs> Excuse me, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. The Lord knows them that are His, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore will purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. You should underline that phrase, vessel unto honor. He'll be sanctified, he'll be meet or fit or ready for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Vessels unto honor. I want to simply lay a foundation as we begin. I want to talk about vessels of the presence. There's a word that is central to all of salvation in the verses that we read, and that is the word master. The master is the absolute ruler, the one who makes the decisions in the house. And the, the scripture says that the choices that God has made for you and I is that we be useful for His purposes. And the word that is used here is vessel. A vessel simply means a container. This bottle is a vessel, a cup, a glass, a, a bowl, a pot. That's a vessel. It's a container usually used for storing uh, or carrying liquids or objects. This is a very, very common Bible image. More than 200 times in the Bible you will find that word in various uh, uses, vessel. Jeremiah 18.3, this is where we get our, uh, the name of, of uh, uh, many of our churches. I went down to the potter's house and he wrought a work or he was making a vessel. And so the scripture, we give this understanding, this is salvation. God is the potter. We are the pots or the vessels he is working on. Scripturally, vessels are a very important part of bringing God's presence down to people. And that is what I'm going to emphasize. Numbers 150, the Levites are in charge of the tabernacle of the testimony. All of its vessels and furnishings, they shall carry the tabernacle while journeying its furnishings and minister and camp around it. So here is God. He's speaking about His chosen people, the Levites. We are those priests. And He says their job is to carry the presence of God. How do they do that? In vessels, various shapes and sizes and kinds. But they carried God's presence to other places and to other people. So very simply as we're laying a foundation... God's presence comes to people through other people. Exodus 25, 14, put the poles on the rings, the sides of the ark, and the priests will use these poles to carry it. The presence of God was to be carried by people. If God was going to touch or be in another place, that presence had to be carried. And so this is God's choice. Every one of you. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this, For we have this treasure 
in earthen vessels. And so literally what that is saying is, you and I are the containers we carry God. I want to emphasize to you, we are the vessels. This scripture, vessels unto honor, what is he talking about? You. Literally, we carry God to other people. Now, that happens in two ways. Number one, we carry God through evangelism or personal witnessing. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we're ambassadors. For Christ, God makes his appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Listen to me. Never view evangelism as simply an information transfer. The problem, it is, it is more than just letting sinners know some facts that they were unaware of. We are, it is not finding uh, some raw sinner and saying, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Mr. Gangster, are you aware that you have been eternally separated from the holy presence of God? Therefore, thou shalt never come into the presence of God unless thou hast a propitiation for thy sin. And the sinner says, why, thank you. I was heretofore unaware of these facts, but now that you have shown me, my eyes are open and I wish to change my entire life. That is not what evangelism is. yes. There are facts, there are things that we tell them, but it is far more powerful. Literally, when you go on outreach, when you go to a park or you go on the job or school, when you speak to someone, you are carrying God. That is more profound. You carry God to other people. The second way that we carry God is through what we call ministry. The word minister or ministry simply means to serve. So here are all the different functions that we have, especially as a church gets larger. In a church this size, there are people that you are involved. Some of you are involved in music. We had excellent music tonight. Others involved in drama. Others preach in the concert scene. Others work in children's ministry. Others do follow-up and others usher. And there's all these different kinds of things. Listen, you must not have a low view of ministry. Here's the problem with many people is if you ask them, what is your ministry? They will say, I do sound. I sing. I'm involved in drama. No. That is the means with which you perform your ministry. Your ministry... I don't care what you do, is to bring God to other people. Drama, singing, acting, ushering, children. That is the way that you bring God. Your ministry is to carry God to other people. We are vessels. Very old illustration that brings this out. It's said that uh, Sir Christopher Wren, he's the architect who uh, built uh, St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And when he was building St. Paul's Cathedral, he toured the building site and he began to ask, this is a massive building site. He began to ask workers in various capacities, he would ask them, what are you doing? And one man said, I'm cutting stone to the right size and shape. And another one, what are you doing? I'm mixing mortar uh, for the stone. And another, what are you doing? I'm making money. This is how he viewed it. But he asked another, what are you doing? And he said, I 
am helping to build a cathedral for the glory of God. In other words, he understood mixing mortar, stone, all of that, that is the means with which we carry out our purpose. Ministry is nothing less than carrying God to other people. Other people must come in contact with God. So, having laid that foundation, let's get back to our scripture now. In our scripture, I want to talk about what's inside the vessel. There are two simple misunderstandings about ministry. In one sense, there is the idea that ministry is simply about desire. I want to be involved in ministry. And in some people's mind, that's all that matters. They come to church a few times, they say, I, I want to be involved. And that's a simple, I, I, I want to, that's my desire. And they think that that is what ministry is about, is your desire. Others have a wrong idea. They think that ministry is simply about ability. They think I should be involved because I can sing, act, uh, uh, preach, whatever they uh, uh, think that they can do. I, I, uh, the second time I pioneered in South Africa, I would, I'd frequently have musicians that would, uh, that would show up. One time I had an entire band. Here's a whole group of people, and this man announced to me, we are going to be your worship team. Who are you? I, I don't know. I don't know anything. Are you Chester the Molester? I mean, come on, you know. But uh, and they're looking at me like I'm weird. Like we can, we want to, we can. That's it. First time I pioneered, we used to get these religious people that would come, and every every pioneer knows what I'm talking about. They would come and they'd say, uh, we actually would go to another church, but we feel the Lord leading us to a place where we can be using greater expression. And did I mention that my wife has the gift of prophecy? And apparently that was where I was supposed to leap in and go, and I was just saying to my wife that we needed a prophetess. Because that's what they're used to. Ministry is simply, I want to and I can. But that is not what ministry is about. Our scripture gives us two very powerful truths that I want to bring to you. Number one, ministry is not simply what you can do. It is who you are. 1 Timothy 3, it gives the qualifications of pastoring of ministry, and it lists, depending on how you count, 16 to 17 different issues, and it says, a man must be, and then it lists all of these things, and only one of them have anything to do with ability, that is, a man must be able to teach. Every single other one of those, it has to do with character and who you are. Think about a man named Jacob. This man would be a catch in most churches uh, uh, <coughs> today. This is a man, we know two things about Jacob. Number one is he was wealthy, had a lot of money. Right there, he'd be in on a church council of many churches. And secondly, we know he had tremendous organizational ability. But he meets God... And God asks one question. He does not ask, 
What can you do? He does not ask, what do you want to do? He asks him, what is your name? Who are you on the inside? And so here is this thought in the scripture. It says, vessels, they contain something. Good or bad, they contain something. And here is what God is concerned about is what is on the inside. You know, some people, they operate in life on the principle of what other people know. Right? They think as long as no one knows what I'm doing, it doesn't matter. But no, this, this scripture says it's who you are. It's what you're carrying around inside you. Read a news article, a Hong Kong grocery store was fined for selling a jar of breakfast cereal infested with hundreds of tiny beetles. Customer bought the cereal, brought it home, and found 575 beetles in the plastic jar. He said the breakfast cereal was too organic for my liking. <laughs> A judge convicted the store of a charge of selling food not of the nature, substance, or quality demanded by the purchaser and fined the store. In other words, it really matters. When we buy food, we care what's inside. Right? There's a second very powerful truth <coughs> that I want you to understand here. Vessels under honor means this. It means what we are affects what we carry. This is the crucial issue. I said to you in the first point, I was emphasizing one issue. You carry God. But this scripture shows us that what we are inside or what is inside affects what we're able to carry. 2 Timothy 2.20 in a great house. They're not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. Now, very simply, the context here makes it clear that a dishonorable vessel is simply a dirty vessel. In other words, whatever is inside... If it is dirty, it will taint what you put into it. I have water here that is pure. It is refreshing. I have a container. I have a vessel. But in this vessel, I have already placed in there some dirt. So now this water is completely pure. I have no problem drinking it. But the moment that I put it into a vessel that is dishonorable or dirty, I just changed what is pure into something that is impure. It's now different. Just a minute ago, I took a drink from it. And now... I want to give my brother a drink. <laughs> right? Because that's what matters, right? I want to. And as a matter of fact, I can. I have the ability...
to give my brother a drink and I'm graciously giving him a drink right now. Just, you just move aside a little bit of that, that's all. You, you don't want to drink? No. Do, do, you, do you normally not drink from like dirty vessels? No. Is that, is that like a rule that you have? This man is a legalist. That's legalism. I mean, can you believe that? I want to give it. I can give it. He's got like a rule, like the glass has to be clean. Right? Because that's what some people say. Well, why are you going to hook up on rules, man? I don't know about you. When I go to the restaurant, I have people say, you know, we don't want it to be a rule. We want, we want you to want to do it. Not me. When I go to the restaurant, I don't care whether the dishwasher like felt like washing the dishes. Dude, I want it clean. Why? Because what's inside affects what you put into it. The presence of God can be changed by what we have inside of us. Think about Eli. His sons, Eli will not obey. God and his family, his sons are immoral. They're dishonest. And the Bible says the reason why that is important is they carried the presence of God in the form of the ark. That was a container, different kind of container, a box. They carried God into the battle, but the problem was what they were affected what they carried and it didn't work. And when they went into battle, a whole bunch of people died. So let's talk. Let's talk about television and movies. So think about this. Here's TV and movies. Here's the modern media is preaching ungodliness and immorality and foul language. When I put this sermon together, did a quick little bit of research, said that the average American teenager in one year of average television watching will be exposed to 14,000 sexual references or situations. One year, 14,000. It's a flood. Now, that's not... a someone who's watching full-on porno, that's just TV. So what you mean to tell me is you're going to watch people, not only just foul language, but you're going to watch people having sex on the screen on a Saturday night, and Sunday you're going to come in, come, Holy Spirit. And that's not going to taint what you are, what you listen to. A while back, I was in a business getting something worked on. I, I, I don't, there's certain types of music that just don't, don't interest me. I'm, I'm listening, and normally I don't tune in to, to lyrics, and I'm waiting behind the counter or waiting at the counter. And I'm, I'm listening to this music just for a couple of minutes. And at the end of it, I, it was like, I need a toilet brush in my ear. <laughs> I'm going to come now and bring the Holy Spirit. 
You know, that's what standards are actually all about. You know what standards are really about? They're a filter. Can I let you in on a little secret? We don't want everybody in ministry. <laughs> I, I wish everybody was, but we don't want. There are people who say, I want to, and we say, no. <laughs> I can. No, no, no. Why? Because we know that they, on the inside, are filling their lives with filth. And so we have standards. Oh, I'm not comfortable signing. Then I'm not comfortable with you carrying the presence of God for us. That's what that's about. Because we literally affect the presence of God. Let's close with one last thought. I want to talk about vessels unto honor. What is needed in our scripture, very simply it says, is cleansing. Verse 21, if a man will purge himself from these, he'll be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, ready for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. The word purge, we get our English word catharsis from it, to thoroughly cleanse. Verse 19, let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, come out from it. Them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. I will receive you. In this scripture, it says that cleansing is a personal responsibility. We, we in our church are, are kind of unique because we have standards. That means that, that as a church, we try to impose a level of holiness. But I'm going to be honest with you. That's not good enough. Because, you know why? People will cheat. Right? I have people who say, Pastor... I don't own a TV, but they download every TV show on their computer. No, no, Pastor, I don't, I don't go to the movies. They got it on their cell phone. Right? That's, that's cheating. Right? I got people who say, no, no. Well, you know, the TV, uh, it's, it's not for me. It's for the kids. It's for the grandkids. It's for the grandkids' dog. And, and they... <laughs> But that, that's why this scripture says, if a man purge himself, it has to be a personal responsibility. We have standards congregationally, but being honest, every person, you have to have a conviction about this, about being pure before a holy God. Jesus spoke about your eyes, your hands, your feet. If they offend, cut it off. Now, if you're a, a psycho tonight, that's not literally. This means literally restrict access. There are places we don't go. There are things we don't look at. There are things we don't do. That's what that simply means. We voluntarily restrict access. And then in our scripture, it says, verse 22, flee youthful lust. We normally think of that in a sexual context, uh, context. But you know what? Is there are people who never involve themselves in anything sexual, but they involve themselves in youthful or childish lusts. I got people who would never look at a dirty movie, but they are filled with bitterness. Right? They come in playing for the Lord, going... I, I, I have people that are involved in ministry. They're pouting. They're, they're coming in the presence of God. They don't feel like it. That's childish. That's youthful. And then, of course, this is not 
only negative. Verse 22, there are things that we pursue. Righteousness, faith, love, and peace. There's a <coughs> pursuit of godliness and a relationship with God. Purity is linked di- uh, 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 directly to anointing. You ever see that word? Anoint, anointed, anointing. What is anointing? I'm going to give you a definition in two words. It is divine effectiveness. That means God takes what you can do and he adds what you cannot do. And he makes it work. He makes what you can do work. Think about this. Here's a Bible story. Here is David, 17-year-old boy, coming against Goliath, who is a giant. He's a freak of nature. David is coming with a rock. That's as good as it gets for him. This man is covered in armor. He is skilled. He's a warrior from his youth. And David has a rock. This is all he can do is sling a rock at him. This is what anointing is. When David does what he can do, God grabbed that rock and he drove it home. That is what the anointing is all about. Listen, listen, you mean to tell me that sinners are going to come in who have spent their entire life defiant against God and everything that is holy, everything that God uh, uh, stands for. And in a moment, we're going to sing to them, Jesus died on the cross to save the laws. And we're, we're going to say some words that just happen to rhyme and they're going to go, I am going to change my entire life. Yes. If there is anointing, God can take what we do. Listen, have you ever tried to change somebody? Oh, God, we need God. That is what anointing is. He makes it work. Exodus 40, 12 and 13, bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle, wash them with water, put on the garments, anoint him, And sanctify him so that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Notice the order here. The Bible says, for those who want to minister, wash them. Then anoint them. Anointing comes after. After purity. A cleansing. That is why. It matters what we are on the inside. Our scripture links purity to readiness. Verse 21, if you keep yourself pure, you'll be a specific utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean. And in this translation, you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. The scripture says, Why do we need to be pure? Because what you are affects. That's anointing. That's whether or not you're effective or not. But then it says, if you are anointed, you will be ready. Think about these two thoughts as we close. Number one, a pure person is ready for crucial moments. Listen, we minister. There, there, some of you are involved in ministry, then that's at least three times a week you're involved, perhaps in song service, usher, you're doing so. It's, it's on a regular basis. We go on outreach once, twice, three times a week, however uh, uh, many times it might be. And 
those are regular, they're repeated. But listen to me, not every time is the same. Because sometimes the people that we are carrying the presence of God to, we don't know this is either their only or their final chance to come in contact with God. How many times you heard this? Different kind of stories. Just about a month ago, someone, a young man in, in our congregation said, I was witnessing to my friend. I was telling him about Jesus. And he said, Pastor, did you see the paper this morning? Down in Phoenix, he was shot, he was killed. So here, here, let's think about this. He's witnessing, it's just like another witness, right? No, 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 no. He doesn't know this is this man's last shot he's ever going to get. This is it. And I've seen that over the years. I've seen that again and again. People come into ours. We don't know. God doesn't warn us in advance. But he says pure people are ready. So I understand there's free will and what they do with it. But at least let's give them the best possible chance. Ready for crucial moments. How many times have you heard this at a testimony? Somebody said, I came into a concert, came into a service. Someone was testifying. The band was playing the drama. And it was like they were speaking to me. God intersected the need of their heart with what was going on. And those involved in ministry, they were ready for a crucial moment. And finally, a pure person is ready for larger tasks. Here is Joseph. Joseph is far from home. No one knows him. He could get away with anything and no one would know it. But he decides to be pure. The boss's wife is trying to get him to sleep with her and because of his own conviction, not because it's on the basis of what pastor knows. He says, no, 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 I want to be pure. He's sitting in prison one day and the cell door opens and they say to Joseph, Pharaoh wants you to come and speak to him. Verse uh, Genesis 41, 14, Pharaoh sent for Joseph. He was quickly brought from the dungeon when he shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Listen to this. God has a task that is bigger than him. That is what pioneering is all about. He's got a task that's bigger than him. And here is the moment he comes before Pharaoh. I need someone to interpret this dream. Can you imagine if Joseph said, oh man, I wish I hadn't have slept with her. And I'd, I'd, I'd love to help, but I know the way I've been living is, it ain't going to work. But no, that's not what happened. He was ready. That's what the Bible says. People who live pure, God is able to reach down. That's what calling is all about. He reaches down into us. Sometimes we weren't planning. He's sitting in a prison cell. Come here. God has something bigger for you. And at that moment, the purpose of God could intersect with a man who was ready for a larger task. I want you to think about this. 
There are many things in life that we cannot choose. We have no control over. You cannot control your height. <laughs> Is that right? It's, it ain't going to work. You, I was as worried about it all you want. It ain't going to fix it. There's, there's a certain amount of issues of talent we cannot choose, right? There are some people that they bless us when they sing. There are people we would pay to hear sing. There are others we would pay for them to never sing. <laughs> All right? And I've heard people that they, I want to be Mariah Carey. No, it's not. You can't choose that. A <laughs> lot of things. Where you grew up, who your family, there are things you can't choose. I want to tell you one thing you can always choose and that is you can choose to be pure. That's a personal. If a man, if a woman would purge himself, he'd be sanctified. He'd be ready for the master's use. I close with this story. I don't, I don't know if you have seen this. I highly recommend if you have not seen it. It's a video. You can easily track it down. It's David Wilkerson. It's called Losing the Anointing. David Wilkerson tells, I don't know if you know the story. David Wilkerson was a preacher in rural Pennsylvania. God began to deal with him. He's in the late 50s, I believe, early 60s. God began to deal with him about the amount of time that he spent watching TV. And now imagine late 50s, early 60s, what TV was like back then. And just simply the amount of time that he's giving himself. And he made a commitment, God, instead of watching TV, I'm going to pray for that amount of time. And he began at night, began laying hold of God. One night during that time when he is praying... He said his attention was drawn to a Life magazine and there was not even a photograph. It was an artist's rendering of a gang member that was on trial for murder in New York City. And while he was doing that, the Spirit of God gripped him. I have to do something to help those young men. And he went to New York City, interrupted that trial began to declare the gospel. And here a man who had made himself pure, people began getting saved. The ministry was born. Why? Because God found a pure man. Why did he have to get somebody from Pennsylvania? I don't know. Maybe God was going through the list looking for somebody that was pure. And he found a man was David Wilkerson the most talented? Probably not. Were there other people that maybe wanted more? I don't know. But he said, David, you can be pure. Therefore, I can use you. And he carried God to another city and people began to get saved. That is what every single one of you, you could do. You could choose to be pure. I don't, I don't care what type of ministry you're involved in. We could go back to our cities. We could go on outreach as pure people. We could sing. We could testify. We could minister to children, whatever it is. We could do that as pure people. I want to tell you, when God finds a pure people, 
the Holy Ghost comes down and he does more than we can do. And the Bible calls that vessels unto honor. I want you to bow your heads.